Welcome to Solutions from the Huddle, powered by Collaborative Solutions Group. We're discussing meaningful business and life topics to add motivation to your life and value to your efforts. Our show is hosted by certified professional CSG coaches who are often hired for private coaching, corporate training, and speaking engagements. Now, enjoy the show. This is Solutions from the Huddle, and I am your host, Titus Bartolotta. Man, I am really excited for this show. Um, as you guys know, uh, we have so many wonderful, awesome people, just business owners and professionals, uh, authors. Today's show is, is maybe better than like every other one. Don't tell all the other guests. I know you're probably going to do that, but, but this one is pretty special because if you know me, you know I love marketing stuff like branding, sales, communication, and today we have somebody that is really, really special. When I read his bio, it's a little intimidating. You guys, I'm going to let him fill in most of the gaps, but highly successful. Today's going to be a fun show. I know it. Before we get into it, though, we start the same way every time, and that's in prayer. So here we go. Lord, we give you glory and honor for all things. We ask that you would bless the show, our sponsors, our guests, just everyone involved. Uh, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Okay, guys, like most of the time I mess up when the, when, when the guest's name is like Bill Smith. I can screw that up. You know that. Today we have Naresh Vissa. I probably messed Perfect. that up. Did I get it close? No. I got it? That's even better than some family members pronouncing my name. <laughs> that, is a, that is great. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Naresh, we, uh, we are so excited, so excited, so grateful to have you. Um, so Naresh is a lot of things, right? He's a multi-time best-selling author. Okay, all stop right there, right? Uh, you've got to make sure, I've already done it, but you've got to make sure that you go and check out his website. He's going to help give us that information. But from 50 Shades of Marketing uh, to from uh, nobody to best-selling author, he's got some really, really fantastic work out there. He's also the host of Work From Home, uh, which is a really cool podcast. And he has done some incredible things like work for organizations and companies, just little small things like CNN Radio, JP Morgan Chase, Everbank, so on and so on. Even the Houston Rockets and Astros. I'm a huge sports guy. Uh, Naresh, thanks for being on the show. Welcome. Hey, Titus. It's it's a pleasure. And I'll say uh, the, the, sh the podcast that I host is called the Work From Home Show. The website is workfromhomeshow.com. We can definitely talk about the work from home topic and, and how we got that podcast started. But I, I also just want to compliment you because I think it's important. One thing I talk about a lot and that I try to preach to those closest to me is spirituality. Uh, there's a four-legged stool to stay sane and to keep sane as an entrepreneur. And one of those legs is spirituality. And I like that you started this show and I'm assuming that you start every episode with a prayer, even if it's just for 10 seconds. I think it's important to take those 10 seconds out of the day just to give thanks, just to be thankful that I'm in front of my computer, that I even have a nice computer with a camera and microphone and um, in my house under air conditioning, healthy and talking to you. Just yeah. thanks for that. Oh man, my pleasure. And, and, you know, I try to put myself right next to other like-minded people. If you're anything like me, um, life is short. And, and I try as much as I want to love and pray and coach and help uh, folks that need it. 
there's a certain threshold of toxicity that where I say, uh, you've got to kind of be at this level to, to, to be in my space. And uh, when I read a little bit about you and the success uh, that, that you've been a part of, it was clear to me that you probably share some of the similar values, right, of care and love and compassion and empathy and, um, you know, and, and just that that heart space of gratitude. It's, I couldn't imagine how you would, and again, I want you to fill in the gaps, how you could do all the things you do and not have that be a part of your values. But for all the folks that haven't read your bio and gone to your website before our, our, our interview today, tell us a little bit about you um, and give us the journey of kind of like who and where and how and what and help bring us into the, the story that is all about you. I'm born and raised Houston, Texas, went away for college, lived somewhat I don't want to say all around the country, but in many different parts of the country. You're in North Carolina. I lived in North Carolina. Uh, that was actually my favorite state until I moved down to Florida. Uh, lived in upstate New York, New York City, Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore was my last stop before moving down to Tampa, Florida. And I've, I'm now settled in Tampa, Tampa, Florida. Initially, when I moved down, it was supposed to be a one-year experiment then a two-year experiment. I thought I'd <laughs> move out of the United States, maybe renounce my citizenship, work. Uh, I started my company so I could work from anywhere. And so I thought maybe South America, maybe Thailand. It, but I, I love Tampa, ended up meeting uh, a, a woman here, fell in love, got married. And I'm also, one thing that's not in my bio is that I'm also a stay-at-home father. So, and that is almost full-time. I hired a part-time nanny who comes in just one day a week for five hours. But outside of that, um, he's, it's mostly me taking care of my son mm. and all the other things that you mentioned in the bio, that's still happening too. So, that's awesome. So, um, How old's your son? He's a year and a half. Oh, wow. Is this yeah. your first? It's our first. He's a year wow. and a half. Uh, my wife's off half the year, so uh, have some help there when she is off. But uh, it, it's mostly me. And I, I think one of the important lessons that we can take away is that it can be done, especially during the pandemic, post-pandemic. It can be done with having, I don't want to say distractions, but having other stuff going on at home and working from home. Like I said, I'm the host of the work mm. from home show. It can absolutely be done. I did not think it could be done. I think most men and probably women don't think it can be done where you can be at home, take care of it. You, you hear all the time, oh, I need to quit my job to take care of the children or one of the spouses. Usually, historically, it's been the, the, the mother quitting their job and saying, you know, I, I have to take five years off, six years off to mm. take care of the children. But it can absolutely be done, not just working a work from a home job, but actually creating wealth from home, starting a business yeah. from home, creating passive income streams from home and you named some of those areas so you brought up the books for example yeah i wrote those books years years ago and i'm still collecting royalties from those books doing nothing at home my business is automated to the point that yeah i do have to have some meetings here and there but you know what it's actually really easy to have meetings when you're taking care of an infant or a toddler or baby at home um you train them to play by themselves to to be quiet, as long as they're well-fed and they've slept well, they're going to be okay. And I was very, very intimidated by this. You know, how am I going to be able to take care of, of a human being and, and not even a, 
an old person, but a, a child who isn't fully developed and doesn't know right from wrong and run, you know, two six figure businesses, how am I going to be able to do that? And how am I going to be able to concentrate to write books? And well, it can't, I'm here to tell you everybody, not just all their fathers out there. I'm here to tell everybody it can be done. Yeah. I think that's where it starts. Right. I mean, there's enough books written. There's enough successful people that say things as a man thinketh in his heart, right? Our thoughts and our belief systems help to shape what we do next. And I love how you start the message that says, um, you know, it can be done before I start telling you the how first start off with cut out the excuses, right? (laughs) Right. Let's just get to it. Well, that's an important concept that you bring up. I think so much of, of success, whether it's losing weight or running a marathon or starting a business, uh, generating six figures in your business within a year or two. Uh, it, it starts with mindset. So much of life has mm. to do with mindset. No matter what you do, it's all about mindset. And if you're going to defeat yourself and mm. say it can't be done and you don't even, you, you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take. Right. So yeah. uh, you just say, you know what, I'm just not even going to give it a shot then you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to accomplish anything. And to me, I, I look at a, a lot of goals, a lot of accomplishments as opportunities before I've even accomplished anything. So when I was tasked to basically be a stay-at-home dad, uh, I could have been like many people out there and, and said, I don't want to do this. Let's just hire a full-time nanny. I quit you know, I could have made up every excuse in the world, but, but what instead, what I said was, you know what, I want to do this and I'm Mm. up for this challenge and I'm going to succeed at this. And if you look at some of the greatest performers out there, public, I I think it's easier to use public examples because they're public and people probably know their stories. But you look at some of the greats in sports, for example, you know, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Tom Brady. Tom Brady, I'm I'm in Tampa Bay, and Tom Brady's our our starting quarterback. And he just won the Super Bowl this year. I I believe he was the oldest quarterback in NFL history to win a Super Bowl. And Tom Brady didn't go in, didn't sign with the Tampa Bay Bucks and come into the season saying, oh, you know what, I'm old. I'm just going to collect a paycheck and uh, and sit out. Or if he gets injured, which – I mean, at his age, he's bound to get some type of injury. He could just be like, oh, I'm old. I'm done. I'm just going to go ahead and retire, collect my paycheck. But yeah. no, he had a belief in himself. He took it up as a challenge to succeed and to win the Super Bowl. And you look at some of these greats like Kobe Bryant, who uh, didn't always have the greatest teammates. It was pretty much him for, for many yeah. years and some very, very poor teammates, who, many of them who shouldn't have even been in the NBA, but he took it upon himself he put the team on his shoulders and Mm. said you know what i'm gonna take this as a challenge and i'm not gonna use that as an excuse to not score 81 points or whatever it was in a game or miss the playoffs um and and so that's how i I think going through uh i'm not saying i'm some superstar athlete but getting that experience growing up as a kid uh even as an adult of testing myself, pressuring myself, teaching myself, learning new things has, has taught me that any challenge that is thrown my way, I'm up for it. I'm up for it. 
And again, that goes back to mindset. It's a challenge. It's not a hindrance. Yeah. As the CEO of Krish Media and marketing, um, there's really not an off moment, right? I mean, mentally and emotionally, you're probably still, um, you know, in the midst of a holiday as an entrepreneur, you're, you're not off, right? I mean, tell me a little bit about what it is to be the CEO of a, of a digital can do from anywhere in the world, right? When you take the walls away and the accessibility and the flexibility is now in place, there's another side of that coin where, um, the living room is is now synonymous with being at work in the office. So so <laughs> the, the, let me the, the let me pen. into yeah the let me pen. into the let me into the mindset of uh, of what that's like to not not be off right as an entrepreneur and a CEO. How do you how do you navigate that right? Because I would imagine you you have to put some emotional barriers up along the way. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll say this. I don't think there's such a thing as a nine to five. I don't think there's such a thing as like a weekend. And, and this was even before I started Christian Media and Marketing. So I actually started out as a freelancer while in college. I was a freelance radio producer. At the time, podcasting was on a thing. So it was AM, FM radio. I was a freelance radio producer. You brought up earlier CNN radio and a few other radio, Salem Communications, some of their radio stations, CNN um, Clear Channel Communications. And so I was a full-time student. This is not a part-time thing. I was a full-time student. Just like I'm a full-time dad and a full-time CEO of Krish Media Marketing and Krish Capital and author. Uh, I was a full-time student, did not compromise my studies at all. So I had to find a way to uphold my radio producing uh, responsibilities with my student responsibilities, my academic responsibilities, and do well at both. Not, I, I could not compromise any one of those things because I didn't want my grades to suffer. I didn't want to, like I said, compromise the college experience because you're only there for four years. So you have a limited, uh, a finite amount of time. So um, I didn't want to compromise any of that. And then on the, on the business side, I don't, I mean, that's a career. You don't want to, yeah. you don't want to hurt your career. Right. And so how do you make that work? You make that work by essentially working around the clock in between classes. If I had any time, I'm on the computer. This was, this was pretty much before the iPhone. The iPhone had just, just come out. So not everyone had one like, like today, but this was in between classes, logging into computers, wherever I could find one, answering emails, doing work, going back to my dorm room, same thing. That's what I would do whenever I had any downtime that that's how it operates. So I was already trained at the age of 19, 20, 21. I was trained that you basically have to work around the clock. You have your primary responsibility as a student or as an adult or as a parent or as, you know, your full-time job going into an office, but you also have this other job that you have to take care of. And it's just mentally ingrained in me that, yeah, it is a long weekend. And I spent this morning, I spent an hour working this morning, just doing some work and had a couple of meetings. Now I'm talking to you. I have to find time to do these media interviews when, when they're available and people are interested in interviewing me. I, I do these as well. So a, a lot of it is time management, but a lot of it is just understanding that um, there is no such thing. Oh, it's, it's 6.30 PM now. So 
that means I don't have to work. No, because if, th if that email doesn't get answered right now, it's going to have to get answered tomorrow morning. And yeah. so it sounds, it sounds terrible. When I tell people this, they're like, oh, that sounds horrible. Like you never get a break. Well, I'll say this. It's really not as bad as it sounds because you're basically working on demand, especially in my situation of Krish Capital, which is a real estate company I run. And then also Krish Media Marketing, the media marketing company that I run. Once the projects are being worked, I have a team of people who do a lot of the work. So um, I, I, I essentially work on demand. I'm, I'm, I'm the super project manager. I handle the, the business development, the sales, but there could be times when I have an entire Wednesday with, you know, maybe 30 minutes of work. Yeah. How do you, so let me ask this, you bring up time management and, and oftentimes I'll tell clients and those closest to me that it's really, you know, it's really semantics, right? I mean, we're playing with words, but I, I will say to folks, you really can't manage time. Time will happen with or without your approval. It's really a, a prioritization, right? And an organizational skill. H how do you, as a successful multi best-selling author, um, uh, you know, multiple businesses, how do you prioritize? How, how have you found the most successful way to assign the value to the things? Uh, maybe I've noticed that people just say, they just jump into something and I go, wait a minute, did you think about what a 10 looks like before you gave that thing a six, right? Like how is it, how do you know you've measured that correctly? So how do you yep. prioritize that's a really, right, that's a big deal. It's a really good topic, which is applicable to any profession, any job, yeah. even if you're unemployed. Really, really good topic. And I hope people pay particular attention to what I'm about, I'm about to say here. So number one is you want to be focusing your time and your efforts on things that you enjoy doing, things that are not work. So hopefully your children are not work. Um, so if, if you have to take care of your children, you're not going to treat it like it is work and it's a burden and that includes your job. So if you have a job or you have a business, you actually like going to work and doing the work because that way it's not work. And, and the time surprisingly goes by quickly. And when you're good at something, you're, you're more efficient at doing it and you enjoy doing it. So um, you're just going to realize that, that when you're efficient, the time moves much more quickly. And so you'll have more time to do other stuff, to focus on things that you also like. So that's yeah. step one. If I were to sum that all up, I would say you should only be doing stuff that you love or that you like. If you're doing stuff that you don't like, it's going to bog you down and you're going to be wasting a lot of time. and You're going to find yourself very unhappy. And the biggest thing, like I just mentioned, is you're going to be wasting time. You're not going to be able to accomplish much. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Number two, and I think this is, this is another, it's really a secret that I learned from, from sports. And uh, so I actually was not a very good athlete. I liked playing sports and I played a lot of different sports and I still do play a lot of sports. I play tennis, talking about the spirituality. There's also the physical side. I, yeah. I brought up a four-legged chair there and, and we talked about the spiritual side, but there's also the physical side. So I play tennis, I play basketball, I play uh, volleyball, I run, I walk at least three miles a day. Uh, and that's why I only started doing that because of my son taking care of him. 
Um, and I can pretty much pick up once you, once you become good at a couple of sports, you can pretty much pick up any sport if it's, if it's top to you. And the reason why I bring this up is because I do play these and I'm decent at them, but I'm not very good. I was never a varsity athlete at anything. I was, uh, I, we can call myself a JV. I peaked at junior varsity for pretty much every sport. But what I did learn from not being very good at sports is that um, you play with people who are good. And when you play with people who are good, and if you really, if you truly understand who you are and what your strengths and capabilities are, then you're going to feed the people who are good and let them shine and let them be who they are and do what they do best. And you're going to do what you do best. So what, what did I do best? I was best at uh, like being that helper at uh, doing a little bit of the dirty work, taking a few charges here and there in basketball, you know, getting a few rebounds and passing the ball, assisting, you know, giving it to the best players, setting picks for the best player. That's what I was really good at. And what, what I learned uh, through those experiences by the time I graduated from high school, it's when you're working with somebody or with people who are really, really good, you just got to get out of their way and do everything you can to, to get, to have them succeed. And what does all this have to do with your question of how do you do this? How are you able to manage the time? How are you able to do this? And the answer to that question is I find really good people who are really good at what they do and who do what we do at Krish Media Marketing or Krish Capital, the, the real estate company, and I hire them and I get out of their way. I don't micromanage them. I don't, it, it's very, hey, here's the project, here are the parameters, here's the deadline, go. And they succeed and they do really, really well. You can't do everything yourself, you can't. And that's where uh, managing personalities, managing people, and letting people shine it, it's such an important quality and characteristic in, in relationships, marriages, and business and entrepreneurship. So that's how I'm able to do and accomplish a lot. I'm not the one doing all the work. I'm not doing the SEO. I'm not doing the reputation management. I'm not doing the pay-per-click. I'm not managing. I own eight real estate properties right now. I don't even know who my tenants are. And I don't want to know who my tenants are because I have hired people to take care of that. And I don't, it's very rare that I micromanage them. It does happen from time to time, but uh, I hope that gives some insight into how you, the listener, how you guys can accomplish a lot because so many people, the worst advice you can give your children is go to school, get good grades, go to college so that you can get a job. That's the dumbest, dumbest advice that I was given from multiple people, including school teachers. And now I look back at that and I talk to my friends too, who are in my boat and they're like, man, like I'm, I'm just, I'm making money and I work like 30 minutes a day and I make, you know, six figures and all those people growing up, they were wrong. And there are people who still tell me that, you know, I need to go to the office or I need to do this. I need to do that. And I'm at home chilling, enjoying life, happy as can be. I'm making money and I figured it out. And those same friends, they're kind of like me. They found other passions that they want to pursue on the side, which they're pursuing you, the listener, you can do the same thing. Don't become brainwashed into thinking you have to get some, you know, 
some some difficult corporate or just any job it doesn't even have to be business type of job whether it's a job as a lawyer accountant or doctor or whatever it might be don't become brainwashed thinking that's the way to become wealthy because if you open up the forbes list of the wealthiest people none of those people are employees zero like look it up zero of them are employees zero yeah naresh founder ceo krish media and marketing right here on solutions from the huddle uh we're big sports fans here on the show uh, folks that have been listening to us from day one uh we were on espn uh here in north carolina for quite a while but then but then folks wanted us to have a longer show and talk about other topics and and with your background in radio uh naresh you know that there's some limitations that podcasts don't have right so we we moved the show into this platform but we love sports here and one of the things that i thought was really cool in the midst of all the, you know, I, I see you have a master's degree at Duke and, and, and um, Syracuse University. I'm from New York, so that's pretty cool. But the thing that was maybe one of the coolest things was that you were an aide uh, and helped the staff with the Houston Rockets with selecting a few draft picks. Could you give us a little bit of an inside scoop, like being in the room, making what is a massive decision, right? Most of us are trying to figure out which flavor like ranch they're going to get, you know, at the grocery store. This is a big deal. Duke mayonnaise, Hellman's. <laughs> but you're, you came alongside of a multi-million dollar sports franchise um, and helped them select more than products and services, uh, but human capital brand uh, franchise stuff uh, that has lots of, lots of complexity and layers uh, that in drafting players in 2007 and 2008. Could you, could you give us a little behind the curtain on that? It's pretty cool. Yeah. So first thing, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot that goes into this. So first thing is I was not in the room. Let's put it that way. Only the important people were in the room. Okay. And, uh, let, let, let's start at the beginning. So how did I even get this? How, How did this happen? Um, long story short, the assistant general manager, for the Houston Rockets was he was just hired. It was like a one year assistant GM uh, slot. And then after a year, the, the GM was going to retire. He was getting old and the assistant GM was going to take over. That's what the arrangement was. It was public knowledge. Everyone knew it. So I actually contacted the assistant general manager when he was hired because I looked at his background and I said, Hey, you know, I was just in high school at the time. I said, you know what? Like if I want to work in sports, this is a type of background that I would have. Uh, I, I'm not going to have the background, like I mentioned earlier, of, of playing because I peaked at junior varsity. So uh, I just contacted him randomly. I found his email address and, and contacted him and said, hey, you know, you're not a player. You're not an athlete. He was kind of chubby. Um, and I, I said, I just want to get in contact with you. I'm a, I'm a high school student. And uh, I want to stay in touch. And if you happen to have any openings, you know, internships or anything like that moving forward, definitely let me know. And he, like I said, he was the assistant GM at the time and he responded back and said, you're the first person to reach out to me um, because everybody is always interested in the main, you know, the superstar, the GM, the assistant GM, no one really cares about. And so uh, he was elevated to GM uh, after the next season. And he contacted me and said, uh, we've got, uh, we're implementing an analytics department and we're looking to hire unpaid interns at scouting college basketball players. 
would you be interested? I said, yeah, absolutely. I'm paid. That doesn't matter to me. Let's go ahead. I'd, I'd love to do it. So this was in 2007 for the Houston Rockets, 2007, 2008. And they basically gave me a list of basketball players to scout. Um, and they set me up with a software and a technology that now all the NBA teams are using at the time. I believe they were the only one using it. So uh, they set me up with a username and password. And I was just logging shots. My job was to literally watch film of every shot these players took and log where they took that shot from. Because what the, what the GM in his analytics, what he found was players who shoot from within 15 feet, so about a free throw and under, so 15 feet and, and under, um, they have much higher shooting percentages. It, it's almost, you shoot from within 15 feet and it, there's like a 80% chance that the shot's going to go in. It, it's very, very high. And then they found that the next best shot was a three-pointer. Um, so I'm logging all this stuff. So that means everything in between so if you're between 15 feet and three-point line, so let's just say 15 to 25 feet, that's a bad shot. Even if you're completely left wide open, statistically, it's actually worse to be left wide open and take that 20-foot jump shot than taking a step back and shooting the three or dribbling the ball in a few feet and taking the 15 foot jump shot or the 10 foot floater, 10 foot jump shot. So these are all habits that are, are difficult to change. If you're a player, it's ingrained in you. If you're a mid range player taking 20 foot jump shots, it's hard to tell someone like that. Hey, you know what? You got to step back and start shooting threes. Then they have to change your practice. They have to change your game. So I was logging shot locations for, for, you know, players that they gave me because they wanted to see, all right, who are the players who are either shooting exclusively threes or shooting shots inside the paint or inside the free throw line. So I'm just logging and logging and logging. And um, we ended up drafting in 2007, the most improved player of the year. I believe he was ended up being the 2009 most improved player of the year, Aaron Brooks. Uh, so we ended up drafting him uh, in 2007. And I was just one of many of these unpaid intern minions doing work like this to help the head honcho who uh, became general manager of the year, executive of the year, Daryl Morey, who's now the president of uh, the Philadelphia 76ers basketball operations. Um, and by the way, you said uh, a multi-million dollar business, the Houston Rockets got sold for $2 billion. So they're now a multi-billion dollar business, but uh, it was a great, great experience but I decided not to pursue the sports route because uh, I, I told myself I can always come back to the sports route. Um, it was very, just like the GM Daryl Morey did, he became an executive at the Parthenon Group and at various well-known consulting companies. And then he found sports through his business dealings and, and, and network. That's one way to do it. The other way to do it is you start out as the unpaid intern and you work your way up after 20 to 30 years. Hopefully, if you have enough luck, you end up getting a, a, a big shot position. 
I didn't have any interest in that because I was more of the, I have all these other passions and interests that I want to pursue right now. And I want to accomplish and make money right now. I love it. Um, we always take just a brief moment to say thanks to some of our show partners. Um, we'd love for every listener to take a moment to go to team dash csg.com, look at our sponsor page, click on these folks, get to learn about their businesses. Uh, but to our friends, Speedy Oil Change, MS Digital Solutions, Easy Living Technologies, Shepherd Law, Novant Health, so on and so on. We are so grateful that they allow us to bring folks uh, like Naresh to, to you. Uh, and, and so thank you to them, uh, team-csg.com. Naresh, I, I, I want to make sure that we do two things before we put a period on today's uh, show. And number one, that is, what's an ideal client look like for you, right? So folks are listening from around the globe, from around the country, and I'm sure they're impressed. I'm impressed, but but maybe they want to go beyond impressed. Maybe, maybe I, I can assume that you want to do more than impress people, but impact people. And so if they want to reach out to you, number one, what does an ideal client look like? Number two, how do they get in contact with you? And then I have one special question for you before we put a period on it, but let's start there. Ideal client, how do they get in touch with you? Those are the two questions. The best client is a paying client. And if you want to save money and make money, we're here to help you do that. We just want to get our feet through the through your doors. That That's my philosophy when it comes to sales and business development. It's, hey, we're not going to charge you an arm and a leg, especially for the first project, because we want to develop rapport. And we just want to get you through the door and work together and have you realize, hey, these guys are honest. They're great. They do good work. And uh, let's continue the relationship because at KrishMediaMarketing.com, KrishMediaMarketing.com, we offer an array of services. So just because you might come in for logo design, doesn't mean you can't do reputation management or web design or affiliate marketing or email marketing or whatever it is that, that we offer. We offer anything and everything under the sun when it comes to digital marketing solutions. So the website is krishmediamarketing.com, K-R-I-S-H, mediamarketing.com. There's contact us tab over there. You can get in touch with me through there. And then also you can go to nareshvisa.com, my personal website, and you can contact me through there. And while you're at it, you can take a look at all the books that are that I've come out with. Shoot me a note. If you want to contact me, shoot me a note and say, hey, I heard you on the show, Titus's show, and I'd love to get a free copy of XYZ. You pick the book and I'll, I will send you a free copy of whatever book of, that you please. Look at that. Guys, the books are pretty cool. I'm telling you, I'm looking at them. The new PR, 50 Shades of Marketing, from nobody to best-selling author, uh, how to write, publish, and market your book. Um, guys, make sure that you check out N-A-R-E-S-H-V-I-S-S-A.com. Uh, let them know Salutes from the Huddle sent you, and it sounds like you're going to get a free copy. Uh, Naresh, we ask just about every guest this question. is a great way to close us out. Um You've shared a whole lot of strategy and, and, and both motivation and practical strategy uh, around success, good decisions, good choices. But some of the greatest advice that I think I've ever received and, um, and maybe ever given came through the lens of failure, right? And so what did you learn maybe the hard way? Like what is one or two critical oops or potholes or mistakes 
where through that difficult moment, through that maybe even crushed experience, right? You, uh, you went from a bag of grapes to a bottle of wine, right? You got smashed and beat up a little bit, but your highest and best use was right on the other side of learning through, through failure. My, my mentor, John Maxwell says, sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. What are one of those moments that you had? Look, I brought up earlier, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. The only way you're going to fail is by taking those shots. So don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid. And, and look, I have failed so many times. I still am. And, and failure is not, failure doesn't mean, you know, losing everything and becoming homeless. I'm, I'm not talking about that. And fortunately, I never, I was never close to getting in that type of situation. But I know many people who, who did, who did lose everything and become homeless. So failure can be as simple as hiring the wrong company to, to do something or putting a bad tenant in, in a property, even though they failed the background check, you're desperate for the money and you put a bad tenant in there and they just destroy your property. Failure can be uh, probably the, the worst failures. When I was younger, I made some judgmental or some decisions that were a referendum on my judgment. And I had my reasons for them. And uh, the, the, my judgment was not in line with the client's judgment or with the company's judgment. So failure can, can come in so many different ways and different forms. And all I, I ask people to do is when things don't work out your way, whether it's a failure or you get fired or a client fires you, contract doesn't get renewed, when things don't work out, you should use that conflict that failure, no matter what, business, life, friendship, relationships, you should use that as a teachable lesson and tell yourself, okay, what did I do wrong? Can I make sure that this mistake never happens again? And what can I do to fix this problem so that I don't make the same mistake again? Because the worst thing you can do is go through this and have an attitude and an ego and say, those people are, you know, profane language. Those people are wrong. They're stupid. They don't know anything. I'm the best person. I'm the most perfect person in the world. I'm the world's greatest. It's easy to say things like that, but every time, just take a step back. Anytime something goes wrong, just take a step back. And the truly introspective person looks at themselves. And one of my, you brought up mentors. One of my mentors, I mean, she wasn't like a, a real mentor because she's long dead. But Ayn Rand, who uh, wrote the book, The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged uh, and really preached the philosophy of objectivism. Ayn Rand wrote a lot about focusing on oneself, objectivism. Randian philosophy, as it's called. And that can come across as selfish. It can come across as selfish. And she said, selfishness is good. Society will thrive. Relationships will thrive if there is more selfishness. And selfishness is not, you know, just going and hoarding everything and taking things that aren't yours. Selfishness is taking yourself more seriously. Mm -hmm and focusing more on yourself and how you can improve yourself and not on 
all those other distractions outside of you and trying to change all those other things or people or spouses or friends, you're not trying to change them. It's focusing on yourself and improving yourself every day. And you do this every day and there's a compounding effect of just positive, positive energy, positive results. So going back to failure, you might see failure every week and don't be one of those people who just says, it's not my failure. It's somebody else's failure. And you continue to do things the way you've been doing things. That's the worst thing you can do. Absolute Mm -hmm. worst thing you can do. Instead, you should look at yourself introspectively say, what can I do to not let this happen again? What can I do to be better, to make sure that the result is better next time? And that's how you improve. Man, some words of wisdom from our guest, our friend, Naresh. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, I I didn't get the exact tally of how many nuggets of wisdom uh, in in the last uh, bit of time that we had together, but it was a lot. So thank you. No, thank you, Titus. It's been a pleasure coming on. It's been a lot of fun. I I love talking. Don't get me wrong. I love business. And it's hard. Business can become technical and a lot of jargon, but I love talking about the philosophy and the spirituality behind business, because I think that's even more important than the technical stuff. They're both very important, but um, it starts with the mindset for sure. I love it. Thank you again. We hope you'll come back. Absolutely. All the best. Hey guys, Titus Bartolotta here with Collaborative Solutions Group. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode of Solutions from the Huddle. If you want to hear more episodes and continue supporting our show, simply search for and subscribe to Solutions from the Huddle on any major podcast platform. Thank you again, and we hope you'll join us soon.